Hi, before we dive into today's episode, we wanted to share something special from our colleague Susie Jackson, a freelance copy editor and Spanish to English translator who also helps fellow translators become more organized and run a profitable business. As you probably remember, Susie was a guest on our podcast in episode 12, Financial Habits for a Healthy Business, which is one of our most popular episodes to date. If you haven't listened to that episode yet, we highly suggest it. We'll add the link to the show notes for today's episode. If you've already listened to our interview with Susie, you have a good idea about her approach to achieving financial stability and freedom in freelancing. We are excited to share that Susie's launching a new mentoring program called Charge with Confidence. Susie created this program for freelancers who struggled to price their services. So if you have no idea what to charge for your translation services, or you feel that you're not earning enough, you work all hours of the day or night, or you struggle with negotiating your rates with clients, this program is for you. After this four-week program, you will know exactly how much you need to charge to earn a decent living without working all hours of the day, have a clear budget for your business expenses that helps you make spending decisions, and be able to pay yourself a consistent salary each month. The program starts on June 1st and enrollment closes on May 31st. Right now, Susie's offering an early bird price of 90 pounds, which is roughly $110, to anyone who signs up by Sunday, May 24th, after which the price will go up to 150 pounds, which is about $180. We really like her structured approach and her positive and friendly attitude, and we are so happy that she's launching this program which will no doubt help many freelancers set their businesses up for success. You can learn more about this program by visiting Susie's website, susiejackson.co.uk, or click the link in our show notes for this episode. If you do sign up for Susie's program, please consider mentioning that you heard about it on our podcast. By doing that, you will be supporting your work on this podcast. And now back to today's episode. Happy listening. Welcome to Smart Habits for Translators, a podcast for translators by translators, bringing you simple strategies to build better habits. In each episode, we will focus on specific habits for translators in various stages of their careers. If you're a translator who enjoys learning about habits to improve your business and lifestyle, then this is the podcast for you. We're your hosts, Madalena Sanchez-Ampalo and Veronica de Michelis. Like you, we are professional freelance translators trying to balance the challenges that come with building a career and maintaining clarity and boundaries between work and personal life. We hope you'll join us in this conversation about smart habits and discover some simple strategies you can apply today to help you build your career and achieve the lifestyle you desire. Welcome to Smart Habits for Translators. We're excited to welcome another guest today. This time we have our friend and colleague, Matt Baer, joining us. Welcome, Matt. Thanks so much for inviting me, ladies. It's really a pleasure to be here. Thanks for joining us, Matt. Matt is an ATA-certified German-to-English translator, editor, and copywriter specializing in marketing and communications. He's also an active member of the American Translators Association um, and is currently serving as an ATA PR writer and host of the ATA podcast. Matt has a BA in German and International Affairs from the University of Colorado at Boulder. 
After studying at Georgetown University and working in Washington, D.C., Matt broke out of the Beltway and fled back to Colorado, where he traded his suit for sweatpants and launched a successful freelance translation business. Uh, now based in Germany, near the banks of the Rhine River, Matt is at his best crafting copy in his quiet office, but happiest playing with his wife and two kids in the great outdoors. So what's the last outdoor adventure you had with your family, Matt? Well, um, we are an outdoor family. We get out a lot. And so I'll tell you our last big adventure. And that was three weeks biking in Southern Sweden back in August. So we love bike touring. Uh, my wife and I have been doing it for years. And um, we did our first trip across Northern Spain with my, my son, Timo, when he was 15 months. Uh, we've done a couple trips across parts of France and Switzerland with both kids. I would say our biggest bike adventure so far um, was the trip to Sweden in, uh, in August. That sounds amazing. So do you camp while you do that? Yes. Or, yeah. Yes. Awesome. We're, we're fully, yeah, um, fully self-contained, I guess. We have uh, a trailer and uh, we have also what's called a follow me. It's like, a, it's like a, a hitch for bikes. So you can put the kid's bike, the front tire mm -hmm. on the back of your bike and basically pull them along. Wow. And uh, so that, you know, if, you know, our three-year-old, for example, she didn't ride that much each day, you know, five, seven kilometers a day she could do on her own. And then the rest of the time she would be in the trailer or on the follow me. And uh, Timo, he's amazing. He averaged 25, 30 kilometers a day. Wow. Um, and Wow. Uh, yeah. And he was totally into it. And uh, a couple of our shorter days, we averaged about 50 kilometers a day. And on some, a couple of our shorter days, he was so proud that he made from one campsite to the next when we did like 25 kilometers and it just made him completely proud. So yeah, we basically just travel each day and land in a campsite at the end of the day, pitch the tent, make dinner. It's an unbelievably wonderful way to travel. It's very slow. You can really take in the countryside you really start to appreciate the simple things in life. We're very lightly packed, just a couple of outfits, a couple of bike shirts. You really realize how little you need. And I like to really unplug during those three weeks so I don't check email. And I've got my iPad with me so I can take some notes. I've always dreamed of writing a travel blog and have my books on the iPad. But other than that, it's an unplugged analog trip and I love it. Wow. Yeah. You should write a blog. I would totally read that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and did you just say or your three-year-old? the time. Oh yeah, I know. Did you just say your three-year-old also rides? Yes. Wow. Because wow. yeah. we each have a three-year-old and mine will barely stay on her tricycle for oh, five minutes. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know about in the States, um, but balance bikes are really big here. Mm -hmm. and yeah here too kids are we had our kids on balance bikes at 18 months both of them okay um as soon as almost like right after they could start walking and then we had them in the house and they loved those things and they really learned balance uh mm -hmm. right away so the transition uh to a pedal bike was quite easy and it basically as soon as their legs were long enough mm -hmm. um uh we we put them on a pedal bike and i would run uh next to them you know first they can't start or stop on their own and, but they can ride because they, they, they've got the balance part. They just can't stop and start. And then mm -hmm. so after a few mm. weeks of running next to them, uh, then they get the stopping part or the starting part down. And uh, at some point they can do both. And then you can actually get on your bike and go on a little bike ride with them. And that's how, how it starts. Wow. Uh, the both of them are old. very, very good bikers. Yeah. My th three-year-old, she rides the, 
it's, it's about three kilometers to the daycare every day. And she, she rides out on her own every day, every now and then I have to give her a push when she's not feeling so <laughs> strong and daddy, can you give me a push? And then she'll ride next to me and I'll just have my hand on her shoulder and, and push her along. Wow. But generally she has no problem dry, riding three, five kilometers, but you know, after that, then she starts to get tired and, and she'll want to stop or take a break. That's pretty good though. That's amazing. Wow. Okay. So let's jump into our conversation. Um, can you tell us when and how did you start your career as a freelance translator? Well, I actually have a college professor and the ATA to thank for my career as a freelance translator. I actually started translating just before I graduated from the University of Colorado. Uh, and I studied German international affairs. And one of my international affairs professors helped me get an internship with a German machine tool manufacturer that had a facility right there in Boulder. They were looking for just German speakers. They had no idea what a translator was. Uh, mm-hmm. or they, they needed German speakers because they were getting communications from the home office in Germany. Right. And that internship turned into a full-time job. Uh, they really liked me and they you know, asked me if I wanted to come work with them right after I graduated, which is about nine months after the, the internship started. Um, and I took it. I mean, who wouldn't take a, a full-time job right after they graduate? And uh, Exactly. I really didn't know anything about translation at the time. I was literally sitting there with a gen- two dictionaries, two paper dictionaries, a general and a technical dictionary. But the, the company offered, you know, CPD. And my boss mm-hmm. basically told me, you know, go look for training uh, that'll help improve your translation skills or anything that'll help you improve your skills. I'll prove it. And I said, okay. And um, that's basically when I went online and discovered ATA and ATA's annual conference. And so I went, I, I proposed that uh, sending me to the conference, I said, I figured I'd learn a lot about technology and the, the industry and, and could probably bring back some helpful tips. And he said, sure, go ahead. So my first conference was uh, 2000 in Orlando. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I've really only missed a few since then. Orlando was a huge eye opener because I really had no idea there was this whole, you know, TNI industry out there. And that was the first time I really realized I could make a career out of it. But... Um, I was still at the time more interested in politics and international affairs. And my, my goal at the time was to get to Washington. And uh, so my job at this German company was sort of me gaining work experience. That's the way mm-hmm. I felt it was making a little money, gaining work experience, enjoying myself a little bit before I started grad school. So in 2002, I moved to DC. I started working for a think tank there. And in 2003, I started grad school at Georgetown. But like a year and a half after I had moved to DC, I was totally burned out and I was pretty much fed up with DC and DC politics. <laughs> I mean, there is a reason they call it the swamp, I have to tell you. <laughs> um, and coincidentally, the summer before I started grad school, I was contacted by an agency, a translation agency, just out of the blue, out of nowhere. They had had my resume on file since the 2001 conference, which was in LA. And they told me they had this growing need for German English translation and if I was available. And I hadn't done a translation basically since I left Colorado. Um, but I said, yeah, sure. Well, uh, I did a test translation and they liked it. And I started receiving regular work from them on a part-time basis. And I immediately quit my job as a waiter, which is what I was working to help finance uh, grad school on nights mm-hmm. and weekends. Um, and basically started freelancing nights and weekends on the side and found that I could make more money doing that. And it was more fun for me. I felt like I was using my skills. While I was contemplating leaving grad school after a semester at at Georgetown, I really didn't feel like it was a fit for me. I wasn't happy. And I asked this agency, the one agency I was still working for, if they had more work for me, if I increased my availability. And they right away said, yes, please, please, please up your availability. And that was basically all I needed to hear. And that helped me make the decision. 
Wow. That was early January, 2004. And by the beginning of February, I had moved back to Colorado and was working as a full-time uh, freelance translator. So what you read in my bio earlier, Veronica, is literally true. I traded my a suit and DC sweatpants in, in Colorado and, and I was really uh, loving every minute of it. So it was ATA <laughs> wow. in the end that opened my eyes to the, the translation industry. And I guess then my DC experience, um, you know, it was really profound. It really taught me a lot about what I value and why freelancing is something that's right for me. And uh, it's one of the reasons my motto today is uh, work to live, don't live to work. Mm -hmm. Exactly. That's also a very European thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it true? Yeah, um, you, you workaholics over there. Yeah, you used to be one of us. But um, anyway, yes. so, so speaking of that, what does a typical workday look like for you? Well, you know, I do find it a bit ironic that we're having this conversation um, mm -hmm. in the midst of the coronavirus because, I know, yeah. uh, as you guys discussed uh, in in a previous episode, uh, you know, life has really been turned on its head uh, for a lot of us. Yeah. And so right now, <laughs> my workday is is I'm tag teaming with my wife at home. She takes the morning shift. She works from seven to noon, and I work from about noon to six. And uh, mm -hmm. so I'm kind of working five half days at the moment. Uh, just because of the situation. Yeah. And I've even had to work some evenings and, and get up early and work before the kids get up, depending on the demand. But I guess before Corona, a typical work day was after I take the kids to daycare, I'd go to my office. You know, I moved out of my house, uh, my home office about a year and a half ago um, mm -hmm. because it was simply getting too difficult for me to work with a then two and a four-year-old. And I find I'm much more productive here. And I really like having you know, this clear separation between work, uh, work and home life. Yeah. Um, I generally get to the office between eight and eight 30 and I'll work until six. I take, I try to take breaks throughout the day. That's something that I really need. Uh, either go for a walk or I'll go home for lunch. Uh, it's only, it's less than a mile away. And I try to get out for runs, uh, at lunchtime as often as I can. So that's basically sort of a general overview of my work day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think we can all relate to the tag teaming those yeah. of us who have small kids, we're actually, I, I'm taking the shift that your wife is taking too. I'm working in the mornings, my husband's working in the afternoons, and then we both end up doing some work in the evening still. Mm -hmm. It's not ideal, but it, you know, you make it work. So we're, we're making the best of it. I think uh, the fact that I'm a freelancer has made it a lot easier. Uh, my wife, I have to say, I think that the transition is a little more difficult. She misses going into work and seeing her colleagues, but we've also both, both noticed that we're sort of seeing a positive side effect of this slower, slowed down life. Yeah. Um, we do, everything's closed. So, our, you know, the, the, we don't take the kids. You don't have to, you're not running out of the, out of the room, out of the mm -hmm. house every morning, taking the kids to daycare. Um, in the afternoons, we have lots of uh, appointments, I guess, with the kids having various clubs and, and Timo's in my, my son's in a music class and this class and that class. So, my wife, she works part-time, so she felt like after work in the afternoon, she was just running from one thing to the next. And now yeah. we can kind of just live day by day and decide what we're going to do the next day and go for bike rides in the afternoon. And it's a lot less stressful, to be honest. Yeah, The only stress really is sort of, you know, keeping your distance from others and the lack of social contact, that's stressful as well. Um, but we're both, in, we're both starting to sort of appreciate this time and the extra time with the kids. I mean, I'm with my kids now every morning and 
even as a freelancer who doesn't and, and not somebody who travels a whole heck of a lot professionally, I'm spending so much more time with my kids than I normally get to have. So yeah. I'm, I'm trying to appreciate that and really cherish it. Yeah, it's, it's that, that part has been really nice. It's, it's, I, I agree. There's, the stresses are different. They're different kind of stress. And yes. mostly it's just about like, when is this going to be over? <laughs> but, yeah. 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 Yeah, I, there's definitely positive sides to what we're all going through. It's it's not easy, but I, I can relate to Matt because my husband has an office job and uh, the transition to working from home has been um, more difficult mm-hmm. for him, but um, it's working out well now and we both really appreciate the opportunity to spend more time together and being with the kids more and so on. Yeah. Great. But the reason we uh, wanted to have you on a podcast, or one of the reasons was your four-day work week, which we realize mm-hmm. is very different right now, but we yeah. still like to learn more about how you um, you know, made that switch. Um, and mm-hmm. hopefully you will be able to make the switch back to your four-day week when, when things are different. You know, So mm-hmm. can you tell us more about when you started um, uh, with your four-day work week and, and why you decided to do that? Um, well, let's see. I made the switch about a year ago. It is, I think I'm about at my one year anniversary. And to be honest with you both, it was, it was basically out of necessity. I, I really felt like I was on the brink of, of burnout. I remember this. We yeah. talked about this back then. Yeah. I, I, I'm sure we did because I was talking to a lot of people because I, I just, I wasn't, uh, I really wasn't happy, which was, which was a bit ironic because I have a, an extremely good gig going on here. You know, I work almost exclusively for direct clients. I've got great clients. I love my clients. I have uh, really good relationships with them and the jobs just keep coming in. And even now in, during Corona, the, the work is still coming in and I haven't seen any, any real slowdown in, in, my, in my workload. Um, I'm also involved in quite a few sort of ongoing projects that I work so close with these, you know, they rely on me as basically their, their translator or copywriter. So whenever a new project comes up, then I get involved in, you know, in some marketing campaign or, um, these posters or whatever. And so then there's this sort of schedule and you're sort of in this production schedule and you just can't say no. It's, mm-hmm. it, it's not like an agency coming to you and say, Hey, we have this job. Can you do it by Thursday? And you say, no, uh, maybe by Friday. Is that okay? And then mm-hmm. it's either yes or no. And you either take the job right. or you don't. Yeah. And in this case, it's like, no, they're relying on you and they're, yeah, there's leeway. And we always discuss uh, deadlines and if I'm over overworked, but long story short, the jobs keep coming in. I kept saying, yes, I was feeling stressed out a lot. I was, I was just unhappy. And I kept saying to myself, what's wrong? You know, I kept asking myself, uh, you have this great life, great family, making good money. And I take two to three months off every year. You know, what's, what's the problem here? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I actually, I actually started seeing a therapist um, because I felt like I needed some professional help, someone to help me kind of dig through all this and discover, yeah. you know, what's maybe the root of, yeah. of this, you know? That's great. Because um, actually things, things, things were going so well. And uh, I just didn't feel like I could solve it on my own. Mm-hmm. And we worked together and sort of, you know, screwed down to the, to the roots and discovered that basically I was in all the craziness of having kids and keeping my clients happy. I had kind of forgotten about myself hmm. and I wasn't taking care of me. Yeah, sure. I was getting out for runs and I, and, and, and things of that nature, <clears throat> but I didn't have a lot of alone time for me. And I discovered that that was something that was important to me. And that I just didn't have anymore now with that, with four people and you know, four of us. <laughs> and yeah. she reminded me that, that, you know, happiness really starts with you. So 
so basically I started, what can I do? And she gave me, you know, we talked about various things. We even talked about product, you know, time management and stuff like that. Uh, but I sort I basically started toying with the idea of reducing my hours and setting aside a day or possibly a half a day. I wasn't sure at the time, just say, you know, that's your time and you can go do whatever you want. You can go for a two hour bike ride. If you want, you can go for a run, you can go play around a golf. Uh, my wife works part-time and uh, she's 20 hours a week and she has Fridays off. So I picked that day too, because then I thought, well, we'd have the opportunity to do, do things together as well. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. we've gone out for bike rides, we went to the sauna together. Uh, we've, we've, we really enjoyed uh, several of those Fridays together. And uh, so that's basically that, that, that's basically the why it was really, it was really, I needed to, I needed to slow down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I think that's a good lesson, that is, right? Yeah. yeah. For all of us, because I think that's part of it too. When you work as a freelancer, people think, well, your job is super flexible and this and that, but I mean, it can be flexible, but it's like, you know, you said you have really great clients. You don't want to let people down. You have a family that you need to help and take care of as well. And it's like, when, when do you prioritize yourself? So I think yeah. that's really, I mean, admirable that you made that switch because I think a lot of us would like to, and we just haven't done it. Mm. Yeah. It's inspiring. I think um, the structure too helps yeah. like, sorry, uh, th to say like you're taking a day instead of just saying, I'm going to start saying no more often. That's too abstract for me. Yeah. Me and, too. Mm -hmm. and because of the way uh, the things I'm involved in, I can't, I'm not just going to start saying no, because like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm involved in parts, but what I can do is, you know, they know that I'm not available on Friday, then I can, uh, you know, they, we can work about that in advance and I can mm -hmm. say, look, you know, do you need this this week? Then I need, I need the draft that you want me to edit by Tuesday and then they'll work to get it to me and uh, mm -hmm. things of that nature. So it's, there's just this back and forth. Um, but I need that structure of knowing this is my day and not just saying, Oh, I'll just start, just start accepting fewer jobs. Yeah. And it helps your clients, right. To know what to expect of you. Like you're saying, I mean, I think that structure is not just important for yourself, but I mean, it's important for other people to know what your boundaries are, but mm -hmm. something that Veronica and I have talked about is that your boundaries start with yourself first. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's great. You're, you're keeping yourself accountable and, and making it easier on yourself to, you know, to say no to certain things or to say, you know, I can do it, but that's the time frame. Yeah. So can you say a little more about what you had to do to make it happen? Like how did you let your clients or your colleagues, because you're also volunteering a lot, right? For, for the ATA, you do a lot of mm -hmm. work on the podcast and I'm sure mm -hmm. you had to have some, uh, you know, decisions that had to be made and you had to communicate it to people like that. These are my working hours. So how did you do it? Well, to be quite honest with you, I just basically told my clients from one day to the next um, mm. that I was uh, reducing my hours and would be no longer available on Fridays and started turning on and out of office every yeah. Thursday night. Uh, but that said, I also told them right away, like, hey, you can reach me by phone or text if it's urgent. And I, so I sort of told them right off the bat, I'm reducing my hours. I basically said it's for family reasons. I didn't really say I want, I want to go biking on Fridays. And, <laughs> you know, I didn't, I don't think that would be fair to them. People that are working, say, a normal nine to five, you know, Not I to rub wanna, it in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I didn't want to rub it in. So I basically said, look, I need to, for, you know, out of family re reasons, for current family structure, I need to reduce and um, I need to take care of the family on Fridays. And everybody actually that I talked to, um, almost all my clients either 
were sort of non-committal or didn't say anything, or they were like, Hey, that's great. So happy as you're being going to spend more time with your family. And people were, uh, were encouraging actually, um, mm-hmm. just a bit of a kind of a, a cultural thing over here. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so it was really one day to the next and it, and it was seriously, uh, I like, once I made the decision, I said, okay, I'm just going to do this. And, uh, I just sort of, you know, cut the cord. Mm. That's wonderful. And, and it's, it's really amazing. You know, I, I lived and worked in Norway for seven years and I didn't have kids at the time, but that's the type of um, attitude that I saw there a lot too. I think it's just generally in, in, um, in Europe, but especially in Scandinavia, I saw it a lot uh, where it's, it's like, well, you know, I have to leave. I'm in the middle of the meeting, but I have mm-hmm. to, I have to go now. I have to wrap up and leave because I have, you know, family commitments or certain things I need to do. And everyone's really uh, receptive to that and, and just accepts it as a norm. So society accepts it and encourages it. So it's wonderful. As it yeah. should be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it should always be that way, but that's the thing. Mm-hmm. It is hard to do, especially in certain societies. I think I'm very fortunate, I can say, that I live uh, here in Germany and it has helped make the transition uh, easier mm-hmm. uh, because the these sort of topics are very, very on people's radars. It's, it's uh, you know, flexible working hours and women in executive positions working part-time. You know, you see these articles saying, you know, executives can work part-time and still be successful, um, you know moms can still be leaders, things of that nature. This is, this is something people are talking about. There's, you know, the idea of paternity leave. I took paternity leave for both of my, my kids. I took uh, three months uh, for one and uh, two officially because fathers can only take up to two uh, months if, the, if their wives take the full 12 mm-hmm. months. Otherwise, you can, you can actually, uh, we have friends who they alternated, they shared the 14 months total and the mother stayed home for eight months and the father stayed home for six months. And so there's, there's really a push for that uh, here in Germany and it's, it's not frowned upon. And um, a lot of people are doing it and that just made it easier. You weren't, I wasn't looked at strangely. That's great. What are you doing? And I think that helped a lot. Good. Very nice. So um, Matt, how do you set reasonable expectations and boundaries for your work and volunteer commitments? It's actually, uh, yeah, it's a really good question mm-hmm. um, because I'm not necessarily sure that I do <laughs> set expectations and boundaries. Basically, when I knew, went into this, I knew I'd have to be flexible. I don't think I was under any illusion that I was going to stop working Fridays and it was going to be, you know, rock solid. And, you know, I have to support my family, obviously, and we do take lots of time off. Uh, that's something that very travel and vacation is very important to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, so basically, if that means working five days a week from time to time, then then so be it. You know, I was I was reminded as I was uh, you know thinking about this podcast of your first episode when you talked about work life clarity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, I really liked that because it's a different way to look at uh, work life balance. So if you're clear about what you're doing and why, then it's okay. So when I when when a customer comes to me and says, "Hey, I really need this by Friday midday," and it's Thursday evening, and I know, okay, well, I'm gonna have to work tomorrow morning, and that bike ride I was planning is now out the door. I could be okay with that, um, but I know that fundamentally, I I work a four day work week. Sort of this is kind of mental mindset that mm-hmm. I work a, I work four days a week. And Friday is my day to decide what I want to do with it. And if that means working too, then that's okay. But I, but I get to decide 
um, whether I'm going to or not. Yeah, it's a conscious decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I can't say I have any sort of solid boundaries other than this sort of understanding, this clarity, as you said, that I know what, my, what I need to, for balance. And if in that moment I'm out, of, I'm out of balance, then I might try to push the deadline. If I can save a client and uh, save the day and be a superhero for, for on a Friday morning, then I'll do that too. Right, right, right. And that's one of the things we were going to say, you know, um, what kind of habits and strategies did you have to adopt in order to make this all work like a four day work week? We realize that right now, four day work week is sort of a thing mm-hmm. of not the past, but it will, it'll come back around, you know, coronavirus yeah. has shifted everybody's schedules, but what kind of habits and strategies did you have to put in place to make this work? Yeah, no, I fully intend to return to it. And in fact, this is, mm-hmm. this is the perfect time with the weather getting nicer and the bike riding more fun and being outside. But interestingly enough, a few years ago, I read the book, The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. Have you guys heard of that book? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure if any of you, either of you have read it, but the book has a lot of big ideas and you know, a little too big for me. Um, but I really like this idea of the new rich, that rich is not about money. Mm-hmm. It's, about, it's about control. Yeah. And he talks about the, the, the W's. If the more W's you control, the, the what, where, you know, when, with whom, or whatever, the freer you are. And so I'm reading this book and thinking, well, I control, pretty much control all those things um, to a certain extent. And that sort of reminded me and reinforced uh, what being a freelancer is all about. Mm-hmm. But the, besides this, you know, big adventure that Tim went on and he built this business and then started traveling the world and literally got to the point where he was only working four hours a week and making tons of money. He has a lot of sort of, I would I would say small ideas and tips and tricks for slowly taking control. Cause he went from a corporate job to, uh, you know, working 40 hours a week and, or plus and, and, and uh, went to only four hours. And he sort of, sort of maps out how you can get there. And there are these little, little things. One was only check your email at certain times of the day. Mm-hmm. Don't have it on all the time. Yeah, that's huge. And this was something that I introduced uh, to my work day several years ago. And I think that's one thing, one little thing that armed me for, for then dropping a day and try, cause I had already, I was already getting to the point where I was more productive than I used to be. Another one he talks about is, is batching, which uh, mm-hmm. you know, like bundling your work, uh, certain similar tasks and doing them at the same time. I think you guys have even talked about this and, and that is, that helped me a lot too, to say, okay, um, I do bookkeeping at this time and I, and, you know, um, every week and I, in, I only do my invoicing once a month and you sort of block all these things out and then you don't have to worry about them. You push them away and you only pick them up when it's that time. Mm-hmm. And, that's helped me a lot. So I don't think I can't say I've always been consistent over the few years, last few years doing all these stuff. Um, but I've really learned to shut down the distractions and that's been a huge productivity boost for me, which means that I can do more in the four days than maybe I would have been able to do several years ago. Or even in uh, five days for some people. Yeah. 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 And, um, I know one one great tip uh, that I got from Corinne McKay, not from not from Tim, was uh, keeping a notepad by your desk and writing things down that pop into your head throughout the day. You know, little to dos, yeah, um, that, that distract you. You think, oh, I need to make that phone call, and then you do it right then. You're right in the middle of the translation, mm-hmm. um, and instead you write them off, write them down, and then 
later in the day, you take 15 minutes and you should try to check off a few of them. And I, I started doing that and I actually have it on my iPad now. And uh, in the meantime, I even uh, use Siri to, I don't even have to write it down. I just tell Siri to add, add a note to my, to my to-do That's note. That's cool. And, and she does that. And I don't even have to, I don't even have to, to get out the uh, Apple pen or type anything. Hmm. So personal um, assistant. <laughs> yeah. So basically I had, I had some things in place to reduce, reduce time. I was spending on sort of non-billable stuff uh, so that I could make sure that when I was in the office, you know, and, and I can concentrate on, you know, my writing and my translating. Those habits that I already kind of had helped me then really, really make the transition and make it, make it happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's wonderful. That's it's true that we do. Um, if we're not, if we don't have those clear boundaries and, and expectations, even to yourself, it's it's easier to just waste time on things that take our time away from more important things. And then knowing that your week is is ideally four day uh, is a four day work week, you you do have mm-hmm. to be very structured and organized. And that leads me to our next question. Um, can you share? I realize that again, things are very different now, and there is no typical week for any of us. But um, how do you structure your your normal four day work week? How do you organize your days? Uh, one, I guess one other one other tip, and that's how I structure. I use my calendar a lot, mm-hmm. and you guys have talked about this too. It's it's nothing new, uh, but I it's something I never did. I always had sort of a to do list, and I went to work and ha- did the to dos. But when I started batching, and then actually saying, okay, on uh, Monday mornings, I'm gonna do I take a half an hour to do bookkeeping, and you know every first Tuesday of the month, I'm gonna do invoicing, and mm-hmm. I'm gonna block an hour for that. And then I thought, oh, wait a minute, I could actually do that for every job. And uh, so that's what I started doing. I get a job would come in, I sort of estimate uh, how much long it's going to take me and, um, and, and when it was due. And then I'd literally put an appointment in my calendar or several based on, you know, how, how long the job was going to take. And then your schedule starts to build up. And then when a new job comes in, you can look at it and go, oh, well, I'm pretty booked and Friday's my day. So I'm not gonna be able to do this till next Monday. And then I can go back to the client and say, look, I'm, you know, I'm pretty booked up right now. And I don't even need to necessarily remind them that I don't work on Fridays. And I just basically say, you know, I can't do this until next, until next Monday. And uh, hopefully it works. If it doesn't, you know, then you come up with something else. So I guess that organizing um, helps me structure my days. You have to definitely be organized to, to, you know, to still to drop a day and still service your clients at the level you were, you were serving them before. And I cannot say, I'd be totally lying to you if I said I was super organized, but I do try to do things like the calendar and the batching and things of like that to sort of keep my head above water. Because if I didn't do that, I would literally drown. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I even, I even set up reminders. I have a reminder that reminds me to go home. I'm, I'm not kidding you. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, because I, I've had those days where my w- wife texts me at quarter after six and says, what's your story? Question mark. Mm-hmm. Um, because she's probably, you know, wants to sit down and have dinner with the kids. And so now I literally at 545 every day, there's a, there's a calendar uh, appointment with a reminder that says pack up and leave, you know, and really getting cool. the kids to the k- kids in the morning off, you know, uh, I'll do that too. A sort of reminder, uh, you know, get your, get the kids up if they're not up because I might be drinking a cup of coffee and reading the paper. And I have a tendency to sometimes concentrate so much that I'm not even, uh, you know, I lose track of time. Um, <laughs> so that helps me stay structured. And like I said, the calendar, the calendar as well, which is one of the reasons that I use it so much. 
So yeah, that's, that's how I structure my day. I get to the office and I, the other thing that I do is I try to do the most important thing first and, and it's, and it's a creative thing. I'm very, I'm, I'm most creative in the morning. So I block, I, I don't, I try not to set up any conference calls, for example, in the morning. I always tell whenever somebody asks me, when are you available? I usually try a window between like two and five in the afternoon is like my window when I want to talk to people because yeah. in the morning is my time to concentrate. My mind is quieter. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm able to be a lot. The creative juices really flow for me better in the morning than in the afternoon because just as the day continues on and fills up, your brain fills up, you've got all these things going uh, on, things that you maybe need to do when you get home. And uh, so that's another one of my strategies is to get the most important uh, creative stuff out of, out of, if I have to write an article, I do a lot of copywriting. I try to do it, you know, pretty much first thing uh, right after I get to my office. Awesome. Very nice. Yeah. So just to wrap up our conversation, our questions for you, can you tell us what kind of smart habits you might offer for fellow translators? Um, you know, to help make their week successful too. One of the things I would say, well, it's not really a habit. It's more like a mindset. And, uh, you know, going back to your, to the work-life clarity situation is I feel like you have to be, you have to get in the habit of being honest with yourself. You know, I've learned that to be balanced, I need time for me and not early in the morning, not late at night and that last hour reading a book uh, in bed, that's not enough, you know, but I also understand that I understand my business. I understand what I need to do to keep my clients happy. And like I said before, that means sacrificing a Fridays for a short period like now. And even in the last six months, I can tell you, I um, probably worked more Fridays than I didn't uh, in the last six mm -hmm. months. But I also took nearly since early August, took nearly three months off. So you just kind of have to take the good you know, focus on the positive and say, okay, well, I'm yeah. maybe working five days a week for a while because we've been traveling so much lately. Yeah. Um, so I think it's a mindset. It's a mindset. I maintain the mindset that I don't work full time. Mm -hmm. And that, that keeps me, uh, that is sort of, yeah, I guess it's a habit now because like when I, I don't consider myself a full time uh, working a, a normal 40 hour week anymore. I also think you can get into the habit of being proactive. And what I mean with that is proactive in how you communicate with your clients. And I have great relationships with my clients. I know most of them personally, thankfully, um, not all. And that really helps with the communication because I can be honest with them and I can have a back and forth them. I don't worry if I respond and say, hey, I'm not sure if I can make that deadline. Uh, can we push it back? I don't worry they're going to go somewhere else. Just yesterday, I said, I don't think I can make that. And she said, okay, well, I guess we're going to have to try plan B. And I said, well, I don't want you to have to try plan B. I can help you. And last night, I wrote uh, a newsletter article for them at the last minute. Mm -hmm. So this proactivity of always talking to them and this back and forth and always asking, hey, does it really, do you really need it by then? And little reminders and emails, you know, just to remind you, I'm not, I'm not available this Friday. So um, if you've got anything coming in, I'll be able to get to it on Monday. Right. And that's literally how I word it. I don't say, hey, I'm, I'm off on Friday. I just say I'm not available. Mm, and, okay. uh, and that works really well. Great. That's great advice. Thank you so much for answering your questions, Matt, and sharing your perspective with us and our listeners. Welcome. Thank you very much again for inviting me. 
Thank you. Um, so uh, we'd like you to join us for our smart habit check-in, if you don't mind. This is where we ask each other about a habit we have committed to and just check in with each other on how we're doing and maybe what needs to be improved still. So we're really excited that you'll join us today. Is there a particular habit, Matt, that's, you know, it could be related to your work or personal mm -hmm. interests that you're working on right now? And um, could you share your goals and progress with us? Yeah, sure. And again, I, I guess I, I haven't till now thought of it as a habit, but a few months ago, I, I started meditating. And I guess you could say I'm working on making that a habit and working right. on um, what I guess some people call a meditation practice. Mm -hmm. And I started that in early January. And I've been I was pretty consistent till about two weeks ago. And I think you know why everything kind yeah. of uh, you know, got turned on its head and everything shut down and things have been a little, you know, crazy around the house. And it's, it's kind of funny too, because I, right now I need it more than ever because, yeah. you know, you just got the kids and, uh, and in the last couple of days I've, I've picked it up again. That's felt really good. So meditation helps me to, you know, quiet my mind. Sometimes I really do feel like my, my brain fills up and I get a little overwhelmed. Um, I'm definitely not a great multitasker. It's, it's not a skill. <laughs> And I like to focus on one thing at a time and I really hate distractions. So meditation is just another way to, to, to quiet my mind. And it's also teaching me to pay less attention to my thoughts. So I actually practice it not only I'm at home, uh, like in the morning or in the evening, but I do it here in the office as well. I take short meditation breaks of, you know, three to five minutes and practice breathing. And it's, it's been amazing. So I'm in the very early stages right now. I feel like I've made progress because I can now do a 20 minute uh, like meditation session. Wow. And when I first started, I did like three and five minutes and thought there's no way I'm going to be able to sit still <laughs> for this long. And now I could actually, I'm starting to get to the point where I actually could imagine and I can understand the people that do it longer and, you know, people that do it for hours and hours. I'm certainly not there, but I can sort of imagine it now because I've made it to mm -hmm. the 15 and even the 20, the 20 minute mark. It's wow. incredible. Uh, yeah, but I do and I do and I feel like I've made progress, even though they say it's really something you have to work on for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, but I did feel like I, I'm better able to stay in the present and focus on what I'm, I'm doing right now, um, which is really important, I think, in our business to stay focused on what's what's on our desk and not be yes. worrying about the future or thinking about um, all the dumb comments I've made on this podcast today. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you made any, but you know, I, I love it. It's on my to-do list for, for this year. Maybe I should just make a goal of, of trying to meditate a little bit every day now while we're on, uh, in lockdown mode. That yeah. seems like perfect opportunity. But I also love that with meditation, it's like with some other things like yoga, it's not, it's not you know, an accomplishment. It's practice. It's constant practice. Yes. And you just get a little better at it every day. So it's something I would like to do. That's an important thing. It's it's definitely a, a mindset to 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 know that you are you're literally practicing every day, mm -hmm. um, and not just doing it. You know, if you yeah. just go like jogging every day, you might just think, oh, I'm getting a little physical fitness. You might not be working for a goal. You don't have like a race you're going to run in. Mm -hmm. um, whereas with meditation, you have to see it that way. Like every day, you're building, you're building and building and building. And um, you know, I can I can plug a couple of apps. There's I don't know if you've heard of Headspace. Um, mm -hmm. It's a yes. very popular meditation app and that's what I use um, and there's quite a few free things at the beginning, but I ended up getting a subscription and I really love it. 
Um, I really love Andrew and his voice and um, the, 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 the things that he says, and I like his meditations. And, but there are tons, there are s- several other uh, apps out there that, uh, that, uh, that colleagues and friends that I talked about this um, over the last few months have recommended me as well. Yeah, that's wonderful. We'll add those links in our show notes. Well, my habit progress or the habit I'm focusing on these days is to um, not use the time before bedtime for reading news or, or checking, you know, what's, what's new on social media or just staying away from screen time, to put it this way. It's been extremely hard these days because I spend most of my day working or taking care of the kids or, you know, doing all sorts of stuff around the house. Um, And I feel like I need to catch up on news before I go to bed, like what happened, right? And like what's new or even just even looking for some good news in the middle of all the bad news we're getting these days. Um, And that's not a good idea before bed. And I've been having trouble sleeping uh, or falling asleep and staying asleep. So I had to resort to my phone you know, turning off the access to all these things for me at a certain time, I went in and like scheduled that okay. at, at a specific time, I can no longer go and browse the news or go on social networks. You know, my phone is basically telling me your screen time is over for today. <laughs> and that's been uh, helpful uh, because sometimes you, you can, you feel like, oh, I have, but I have this great excuse for why I do need to read the news, but it's not really good for you or for me in this case. So that's a habit I'm working on uh, still. And I think it's um, going to be better for my sleep habits and for my mental Mm -hmm. health and just um, overall, hopefully habit I can continue throughout this lockdown and after this as well. What about you, Madalena? Yeah, so I'm working on something that we talked about a few episodes ago um, about decluttering, which I don't want to sound flippant because I know that a lot of people are stocking up on things right now. And actually, Veronica and I sort of joked about the fact that Mm -hmm. that episode came out right before the health crisis and when everybody was going and buying everything and the stores were empty. So I don't want to sound flippant about it, but actually I find that... um, you know, since we're spending a lot more time at home, we really need to make our home a peaceful place because everything right now feels very chaotic. And so I've been working on, you know, certain little spaces at a time, like a closet here or my daughter's toy cabinet or something like that. And, And I'm also having her tell me, you know, when, when everybody is back to work and you're back to school, what would you like to give away to another child that doesn't have enough toys or something? Or, you know, mm-hmm. like something that we realize, it's like Matt said before, we, we don't need a whole lot. We really don't. And I'm not talking about in this particular pandemic, not this crisis, but I mean, in general, um, you know, there's a lot of things in our home we're not using or that are taking up space or that, you know, we could, we could bear to give to somebody else. And I was talking to a friend of mine this week, actually, and she said, uh, we, we donate our items to the same place. It's an organization called Working Wardrobes, mm-hmm. uh, where they take clothing for people who are, uh, I think it's mostly women and veterans who are looking for work. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, but they take everything because they have like a sort of like Goodwill, you know, like a store that they they um, resell and they they make they put the money back into the organization. So anyway, she said to me, did you know that they had a huge fire? I had no idea. And so I thought, you know, this is kind of a, the best time to kind of get everything ready. And when I, when this is over and I can donate everything, I'm going to take it to them because clearly they, they're going to be needing it more yeah. than some of the other, you know, um, donation centers right now. But it, yeah, it's something that um, 
a lot of clutter really uh, is distracting to me. It's kind of like what Matt was talking about with distractions. I get very distracted by things that I see that need to be done. That's why that idea of the notepad or, you know, your iPad on the side where you can just kind of quickly jot down what you need to do that's not maybe relevant right now. It's sort of that mental clutter too that you can feel from the physical clutter around you. So um, I feel like that's always one of those works in progress, like, well, like any habit, right? But yeah, um, I haven't jumped on the meditation train yet, but my doctor did recommend that to me. <laughs> so we'll see. But yeah, so I'm, I'm decluttering at the moment. Mm. So now let's talk about one of our other segments uh, that Matt agreed to join us for, and that is mm-hmm. the book nook segment. What book are you reading right now? and Or have you read recently, Matt? Well, I am definitely on the meditation train right now, and I'm reading a book that's called The Miracle of Mindfulness, and it's by a Buddhist monk who's also a Nobel Peace, uh, was a Nobel Peace Prize nominee, and I'm going to totally butcher his name. It's Tish Tat Hanh. He basically explains how to acquire the skills of mindfulness and how to slow our lives down and, you know, discover how you can live in the moment. And I really love this idea of mindfulness and awareness as a way to calm the mind and stay focused. And he even gives you tasks like washing the dishes to wash the dishes. And it sounds corny, but literally to while you're washing the dishes, you just be thinking about what you're doing at that very moment, not letting your, cause when you're washing dishes, you're thinking about everything else. You're not mm-hmm. thinking about the dishes because you can do it in your sleep. Right. Right. Yeah. right. Um, and it's really amazing that if, when you do that, it's almost, it's a type of meditation mm-hmm. um, because your mind quiets down. You, you really block out everything else. Cause you're literally in your mind talking to yourself about what you're doing at that moment. And uh, so it's been a really interesting, he's got tons of books. Um, I was rec- he was recommended to me by, by a friend um, and I've downloaded samples of like four or five of his books, but this one I bought and I said, okay, I'm going to read this one first and see if I like it. And, um, mm-hmm. It's like I said, it's early in my practice and I haven't finished the book, but I do feel like it's helping me and to stay focused and be, be more present, Excellent. be less susceptible to this, the, the, that overwhelming feeling that I sometimes have. Yeah. Which I think a lot of us could learn from. I, I think that's a good, a good one. We'll, we'll be sure to share your book in our show notes as well. So I'm reading a book, Matt, you might've read this. Mm-hmm. It's actually by a copywriter, um, Anne Handley. I don't know if I've talked about this one on our podcast before. I don't think I have. I don't think so. She sounds familiar. Yeah. She's a famous content marketing writer and she's just a lovely person in general. Very humorous. Um, If you follow her on social media, she's had some of the funniest uh, content right now during uh, what is a very serious issue, but she's sort Mm -hmm. of, you know, bringing the lighter side to things. And Mm -hmm. so the book that I'm I'm actually rereading this book, it's called Everybody Writes your go-to guide to creating ridiculously good content. And I have heard of that book. I've not read yeah, it. Yeah, it's good. It. Yeah. It's an easy, easy read. Um, cool. I do some copywriting as well for some clients of mine. And um, I just keep seeing a lot of her work come up. And I'm like, you know, I should just reread her book. Um, I, the last time I read it, I was busy with so many other things. And this has just been a good time to kind of take my mind off of all the craziness uh, going mm-hmm. on, but she's, um, it's a Wall Street Journal bestseller. And I believe she has another book uh, with somebody else about if you're interested, if anybody listening is interested about content marketing. And so, yeah, it's, a, it's an easy read. It's really well done. Um, so I would recommend that one. Great. And Veronica, what are you reading? I'm reading Everything is Figureoutable by Marie Forleo. 
you gave this book to me, Madalena, uh, last year, and I actually started. Yeah. I started reading it. Um, I think around October last year. I even had it with me um, during the ATA conference. Um, and I read about half of it and then something came up and I never finished it. <laughs> and I, mm-hmm. It's been on my uh, bedside table uh, for a while. And I felt that now would be a good time to pick it up again, given the circumstances. Uh, it's just a very uplifting, positive book. And I also love Marie's personality. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, the book is mostly about um, achieving your goals and the mindset around it. Um, and a lot about uh, overcoming the imposter syndrome and, and um, how you think people are judging you or if they do in fact judge you how to deal with that. But there are a lot of important messages there in general about positive mindset and overcoming your fears, which I think uh, will do me a world of good right now. So um, that's what I'm reading right now. Sounds very interesting. So uh, let's talk about what's on our desks uh, really quick. In this segment, we just share uh, some tools or gadgets or objects or resources that we find useful um, in our work and uh, want to recommend to our listeners. Let's start with you, Matt. Yeah, um, well, I, I alluded to it earlier, but when I think of sort of tools and resources right now, Siri comes to mind, um, or like Alexa, I guess, if you have uh, Samsung or Android. And she's become becoming my virtual assistant, if, if you will, because uh, I've really gotten used to using the voice commands on my phone to set quick reminders and write things down. And I even have a shortcut set up that when I say, hey, Siri, on my way, then she sends my uh, wife a text message that I'm on my way. That's awesome. Um, and I, I mentioned before that I keep my iPad on my desk at all times with a note up. Uh, that I used to actually write things down uh, using, you know, like an Apple pen or, or typing it in. And I recently thought, I wonder if I can do this by a Siri. And I looked it up and you can. And so now I have like a to-do note and all I have to do is say, hey, Siri, add something to my to-dos, uh, to my to-do note. It's important. You have to say that. And then she'll say, what do you want to add? Then you say what you add and then it's there. And then it's like the last line on the list. Wow. Um, and, uh, or, Hey Siri, remind me to call my doctor at 9am tomorrow morning. And awesome. all of a sudden you've got a reminder set up and it's, it's taken me a while. I knew all these features were there right. and you saw, see it in the ads, but you just like, who, who really uses it? Right. Uh-huh. And I have mm-hmm. to admit, I still feel a little funny when I do it in front of my wife. And I typically sometimes will like leave the room. <laughs> she's still, she still kind of laughs at me and looks at me funny. Um, and I, I can tell you another funny story. My, my, the first time I did it in front of my son, he said, Daddy, who are you talking to? <laughs> so, um, but seriously, though, I think, it, I think it's a useful tip. And um, like I said, I get the impression that others, you know, think that Siri is sort of this fun little extra on your phone and don't really see it as something that you can actually use to mm-hmm. increase your productivity. Yeah. Um, because that, you know, just saying, hey, Siri, I had something in my to-do, to-do note or remind me to call my doctor, you know, how long would that have taken you to open up the reminders app and type it in really quickly? You know, maybe only save 30 seconds each time, but it adds up. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's awesome. I love this tip. I need to do this more often. It's, it's something that's easy to forget you have on your phone. I mean, it's just yeah. it's such a useful feature, though. 
Um, well, I am completely obsessed with my new settle chair. It's not really new because I bought it a few months ago uh, to match mm-hmm. my standing desk. Um, mm-hmm. So when I bought the, a desk that goes on top of my regular desk and it goes, you know, up and down, um, mm-hmm. I've been working uh, standing, standing up, but then I realized mm-hmm. it can get hard if I work longer days. So mm-hmm. I got a settle chair that I used to have in my office uh, when I worked my corporate job and I feel so good and it's just excellent for my posture. Um, so for those who don't know, a saddle chair is shaped as an equestrian saddle. Um, sometimes they come with a backrest and armrest, but mine has uh-huh. none of that. It's just just the, the, the seat, basically. And it tilts a little forward, so it helps increase the hip-to-knee angle and relieve some pressure off your spine. Um, mm-hmm. So there's a lot of different models, and I took a while to research the one that I thought would work best for me, and I love it. So I have two that I was thinking about sharing. So I'll share one since you shared about your desk. I'll share the one that I don't think I've talked about before here. Uh, I got it a few months ago as well, and it's proven to be quite the good purchase in times when it's either raining, which it doesn't do much in Southern California, but we have had some unusual weeks of rain here lately. And also because of this whole coronavirus issue where you're supposed to stay inside um, as much as possible. And that is my under desk treadmill. Did I tell you about this already? I think you mentioned it to me. So how do you use it exactly? Yeah, it's actually super simple. Um, Mine has a remote control. So you just turn it on and you can start it from the remote. Um, I have mine under my standing desk. So I don't have one of those standing desks that's got the complete treadmill and desk. I don't have the space for that. Mm -hmm. This one is actually really, um, it's got a small footprint. I mean, you can fold it in half and put it under a bed if you want to. It's really small. Um, and I, I can walk several miles a day just working on that thing. And I, um, it doesn't take a whole lot of getting used to, uh, I thought it would take longer, but it doesn't. And I can walk about six miles per hour while I'm, um, yeah, working. And so it's been great, especially if I, want to do a little bit of work in the evenings, but I don't feel like just sitting on the couch to do it. I can walk Mm -hmm. for about half an hour and wrap up some emails or something. So I can um, share the link for the show notes, but it's actually been a wonderful purchase. And um, it's, it's one of those items that is a nice to have, but honestly, for those of us who are translators and those listening, we do sit at our desks a lot. And so that's something I've been thinking about the past couple of years is, uh, you know, our health is so important. And if you don't have your health, you don't have much else. And um, sitting all day is one of the worst things you can do for your your heart. So, yeah. So I I love it. It's been great. That's awesome. If you don't mind, ladies, I could add something very related. I also have a standing desk. I have Uh a a desk that goes up and down. Mm -hmm. And I was having repetitive stress issues uh, several years ago. Um, So I started dictating a lot. That's probably helped me with the the commands on the phone now and more. And I also uh, more recently, I got a kneeling chair. Oh, Um, yeah. It doesn't have a back and you literally kneel there. It's on wheels. I can move it around. And Mm -hmm. I got the idea because when, when I meditate, I actually sit on a little bench. So I'm not, I don't do, um, you know, I don't like sit cross-legged or just sit in a chair. Um, I discovered that this kneeling position sitting on a little bench is very, very comfortable to me. And then I can sit for a long period of time in that position. Mm-hmm. And um, then somebody uh, said, I think a, a, a yoga instructor, I said, she's like, well, you know, you can get a desk chair like that. And I said, are you kidding me? Wow. Um, yeah, really I've thought seen of those. It. Yeah. And then I got it and I love it. 
Great. And so now I have a regular desk chair, the kneeling chair and standing. So I'm constantly moving and it has done wonders for my back yep. and for my arms. But quick question, Madeline, can you actually type while you're walking? I can. Um, I try to only do work where I have to type less. Like I'll, mm -hmm. if I need to like edit documents for clients, it's a good one to do while mm -hmm. you're walking, checking emails. Mm -hmm. Um, and definitely with dictation, it's just super simple. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. 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 Definitely. So thanks so much for joining us today, Matt. It was a pleasure. Thank you guys again for having me on. Yeah. And um, before we wrap up though, but can you tell our listeners uh, where they can learn more about you or find you online? Uh, well, um, some people know me as the Boulder Translator. My website is uh, bouldertranslations.com and uh, on social media, you'll find me at at Boulder Translator, but with an eight at the end rather than uh, fully written out because I ran out of characters on <laughs> The common dilemma. The yeah. Translate number than, than OR. <laughs> okay, perfect. We'll link to you in our show notes. Thank you. Um, and of course, our listeners can always find Matt on the ATA podcast, which he hosts right. for, yeah, for the American Translators Association. If you haven't listened to the ATA podcast yet, we highly recommend that you find it in your favorite podcasting app and you hit the subscribe button. We'll add a link to it as well in the show notes for this episode. And that's it for this week's episode. Uh, we'll be sending our email subscribers a summary of today's episode with a link to the show notes so you can quickly find all the resources that we mentioned. Uh, we'll send it out on the 26th of May. So if you'd like to receive it, please sign up for our emails on our website. Our next episode will be available on June 2nd. And as for the topic, our email subscribers will be the first to hear what that episode is about. So if you're not receiving our emails yet, sign up. And don't forget to check out Susie Jackson's new program for freelancers, Charge with Confidence. We know that Susie's knowledge and experience will help you gain more confidence in what to charge your clients and how to pay yourself a consistent salary. Thanks for listening to today's episode, and we'll talk to you in two weeks. We hope you enjoyed this episode and discovered a simple strategy that you can apply today at work or at home to help you achieve the lifestyle you desire. If you did, please let us know. We'd love to hear from you. If you have a topic you want us to cover on this podcast, please record a quick voice message and email it to us at hello at smarthabitsfortranslators.com. If you like this episode, please leave us a rating wherever you listen to podcasts and please share the podcast with other translators you know.